Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, we read verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, the words of Jesus. Do not judge, so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Friends, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we conclude our worship series on half-truths. And we've been examining different statements and ideals that uh, we hear or that we say ourselves because perhaps they brought us comfort and assurance in our walk with Christ. Um, but it's important to examine all of these statements and things that we have gone over, like everything happens for a reason, like God won't give me more than I can handle. Because while all those statements have elements of truth, they are all at best half-truth. And they're used most oftenly by people who were raised in the church and in the background of the faith. But to those who haven't and those who don't have the experience uh, necessary to understand how to take these statements, they may have, in fact, the opposite effect to the way that we have intended for them to mean. And so we can actually end up pushing people away from God when we're trying to do the opposite. And that's why we've been studying this series over the past several weeks. And so today we conclude with the phrase, the idea, the thought, love the sinner, hate the sin. This is used often in a way, in an attempt rather, to convey grace uh, without feeling like that you sacrifice your personal conviction or your personal beliefs. Um, this is perhaps most popular nowadays. I hear it in discussions of homosexuality or same-gender marriage. Uh, many folks believe that, that this statement or one like it is found in Scripture, and it is most often attributed to being a teaching of Jesus. However, neither is true, nor does the sentiment behind this statement actually reflect the types of things Jesus said, or would it be something that he would actually say? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So where does this statement come from? Why do we use it, and how is it part of our, uh, our system today? It likely originated from a letter sent by St. Augustine. Uh, and he sent that to a group of nuns around the beginning of the 5th century. And uh, in the letter, Augustine calls for the nuns to have, quote, love for mankind and hatred of sins. Love for mankind and hatred of sins. Another possible possibility in school of thought uh, in the more modern era, era comes from a selective chosen passage of quotes by Mahatma Gandhi. And those uh, say, uh, hate the sin and not the sinner. 
is a precept which, though easy enough to understand, is rarely practiced. And that is why the poison of hatred spreads in the world. If you can't read this, it's on, in your sermon outline, both in your printed and in your digital bulletin for you to have and read. So the, these are classic uh, statements that, that we've taken, that we've read, but... I don't know about you, but it seems to me that humans, as we do, we've, we've taken these words of someone else and we sent them to, through a round of the telephone game. <laughs> you know, where you whisper something in somebody's ear and see if it makes it around the room and by the time it gets to the other end, it's completely distorted to not even mean the same thing that it, the way it started. Another classic example of that, perhaps. Let's take a look at the first part uh, of this statement, the the part that is true. And that is the very first word of the statement. Love. Everybody say love. Love. A word that perhaps sometimes we take for granted, a a word that that we perhaps throw around. We're going to talk more about love in a couple weeks whenever we start a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and that will be the first sermon we do. And that is coming on uh, the second Sunday in June. So mark your calendar for the beginning of that series. How do you like that, that uh, plug for the next series? Love. Uh, you, you know, you could even throw the first part in as well. Yes, we should love sinners. Amen. Jesus demonstrated this. And it is at the very core of our faith as Christians. Paul in 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 15 said, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. However, there's a problem. And there's a dangerous problem at that with the phrase, love the sinner. I gave it away. That's why I get to scrolling too quickly. There's a dangerous problem with the phrase, love the sinner. As true as it may be, and even though Jesus himself demonstrated it, it's not what Jesus commanded us to do. Nowhere did Jesus say, love the sinner. You know why? Instead, what he said was, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Pastor, isn't that the same thing? I mean, aren't all aren't we all sinners and aren't all of our neighbors sinners? Yes. I mean, it does say in Romans 3.23, what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So yes, that is correct. We are sinners and all of our neighbors are sinners. However, uh, guess who else is a sinner? <laughs> we already said it. Me. Had Jesus said to his disciples to love the sinner, they, like us, probably would begin looking at other people more like sinners and less like their neighbors. Therefore, only seeing the sins of one another and not the brothers and sisters in Christ who are also beloved children of God. Folks, whenever we look into the eyes of our neighbor, no matter who our neighbor is, we are looking into the eyes of Christ. Hello? Another way of putting it is this. 
when we use this phrase, we put ourselves in a position of seeing others as sinners rather than neighbors. And instead of it leading to grace, it often leads to judgment. Whether we mean it to or not. Belief in this phrase, whether we intend it to or not, can uh, uh, lead people to think like this. You are a sinner, but I graciously choose to love you anyway. I will love you despite the fact that you are a sinner. There's a lot of yous in that school of thought, isn't there? Folks, listen to me carefully. That's not loving people to think like that in my opinion is a load of arrogant self-righteous prideful hot air yes that's designed to be comedic but at the same time it's very serious Jesus understood our tendency to judge others you ever notice how Jesus is always one step ahead there's a reason for that he had to be, because we humans often think we're too smart for our own good. Jesus was always one step ahead. He understood our tendency to judge others and to focus on sin. And that is why in the Gospels, Jesus taught that we should avoid such a thing. Instead, we should focus on loving people in the way that our Heavenly Father loves people. If this judgmentalism that, that Jesus wanted his disciples and wants us to avoid... Uh, that's what it is. This, is. this is what Jesus is trying to say in the metaphor from our passage today. Seeing others as anything but neighbors brings forth the possibility of the sin of judgment. You ever had anything caught in your eye? Mary Alice, this is a, quite, quite the week for you. If you ever had anything caught in your eye, picture the eye doctor coming in to, to take care of your eyes. However, he comes in with a big patch over his, right? Had the surgeon come in with a big patch over his eye, would you have let him touch you? <laughs> Definitely not, right? You say, Doc, how are you going to fix my eyes if you can't see yourself? You wouldn't let someone like that work on your eye. Then why in the world do we think it is okay for us to try to act like that to someone else? Jesus would never say, love the sinner. Because he knew we would take that and multiply it far beyond the way that we actually intended it. Jesus would never say it, and therefore neither should we. Instead, we should say something like this. Love your neighbor despite the fact that you are a sinner. Love your neighbor despite the fact that together we are all In other words, as a follower of Jesus, I will love you because you are a child of God. I will love you because, just like myself, you need loving. 
And in God's eyes, we all matter. And though I am a sinner, you deserve my love because God first loved me. I will love you because Jesus said, love is the way his disciples are meant to live. I will love you because I believe that love has the power to change the world. Now let's talk about the second part of this phrase, the, the, the hate, the sin part. Where did Jesus spend most of his three years in ministry? With sinners, with the people called sinners. Let's put it like that. He ate with them. He healed them. He even called them to be his disciples. Think about Levi, who we called Matthew. He was a tax collector. What did people call tax collectors? Sinners. And Jesus called them to be his disciples. Yet, how many times do we hear Jesus talk about their sins? Not once do we hear Jesus talk about the sins of the people that have been forgiven. When Jesus speaks to sinful people, he doesn't talk about their sins, he forgives them. When Jesus speaks to sinful people, he doesn't make their sin the focal point of the conversation. Instead, he does something radical and out there. He forgives them on the spot. Think about the woman at the well. Think about the thief on the cross. What were his responses to them? Not now. You think about what you've done before I tell you anything. He says to the woman at the well, now your faith has healed you. Go and sin no more what does he say to the thief on the cross your faith has healed you today you will be with me in paradise there is actually a time when Jesus demonstrates a hatred of sin though and it's at the merchants in the temple courts ripping the people off as they're trying to go and exchange their money the only people Jesus showed disdain of sin towards is the religious leaders Watch out, pastor. Listen to Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you. I love that. Everybody say, woe to you. That just has a mm, doesn't it? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. Jesus said, what? <laughs> Folks, what turns people off to church more than anything else in the world is when religious people point out the sins of others but act like they have none. Can I get an amen? There's a funny cartoon meme that was going around I don't know if you can see this but it says you were a believer yes but you skipped the not being a jerk about it part <laughs> this is a man of course at, at, at the gates of heaven you were a believer yes but you skipped the not being a jerk about it part folks to use this phrase can be construed as saying that you are a sinner and I am not. 
That's not only not true, but it can be perceived as being a holy, rolling, stuck-up jerk as a church person. That's not the message we're trying to send to people. That's not the message that you're trying to send if you use that statement. I know it's not. But here is the kicker with all these statements. It's the perception of the people who don't know how to take them that matters. There's a scripture often quoted when defending this phrase, and it comes to us from Paul from Romans 12, 9, and it says this. It says, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. This is often the phrase used to defend, love the sinner, hate the sin, but Notice what Paul is not saying here. Are you ready? Paul isn't saying to hate the sin in someone else's life. He's telling them to hate the evil that's present in the world. There's a difference, folks. Think about it. Let it set in for just a minute. He's not saying to hate the sin in someone else's life. He's telling them to hate all sin in general. He's telling them to hate all evil in general. He is saying the one that we are called to hate, to disdain, to put away, to put beneath is Satan himself, the root of all evil, and not those to whom Jesus looks across from and says, you are a beloved child of God. You ever heard the phrase, fake it till you make it? That doesn't work with love, folks. Pretending to show love is the gateway to judgmentalism. Did you, did you hear that? Pretending to show love is the gateway to judgmentalism. Jesus repeatedly demonstrated love, authentic love to sinners. If you hear nothing today, folks, hear this. Our calling as followers of Christ is not to convict. Our calling is to love. Let God handle the judgment. We have no place in judgmentalism. That's between somebody and God. Our calling is to love them the way God loves them. The truth in this statement today stops at the word love. Yes, there is sin in the world. And we shouldn't stop at not mentioning it. Sin is not an evil four-letter word in and of itself. Sin is the root of evil. And we should talk about it. We should mention it. When that sin, though, is inflicted upon others, bringing harm to them, we must, in the words of Proverbs 31, chapter 8, speak out on behalf of the voiceless and for the rights of all who are vulnerable. Folks, we're to be painful, painfully aware of our own sin and regularly invite God to transform us from the inside out, to heal us and to forgive us. We're also to recognize that, that we may not clearly see how God sees. Jesus and God often use different filters to look through than we do. <laughs> and therefore, we may not understand fully how God understands. We're not designed to. 
We're designed to love. What can we, excuse me, what we can see clearly, though, and what is unmistakable about God's will for our lives, about God's will for the creation of humankind, what no one can ever argue is that we are called to love. Love the sinner? Yes. But no. Love your neighbor. The sinner is our neighbors. And we love. We hate the evil that is the devil. But we love people the way that Jesus loved people. Folks, I hope this series has brought some perspective, if nothing else, for you. Maybe you've had some moments where you, where, where, where you were frustrated or angry or passionate or zealous. I love the word zealous is a passionate anger for change. That's the kind of disdain Jesus showed in the temple. Zealousy. Anger designed for change. Hopefully this brought some of that to you. Again, I... We don't do these. We don't talk about things for me to step on anybody's toes, but, we, for, but to gently glide across them and let you determine the amount of pressure that, that you need to apply and how you need to go out and, and live according to the way God has called you to live. But I pray this series has brought some light and inspiration to that. And if I can ever answer questions, all of you know, just come find me. But together, let us be the people of God who love others and remind everyone every single day how much they matter to God. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn of invitation for going forward this Pentecost Sunday is many gifts, one spirit.